It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Thursday, September 24th. I'm Erin Fulton with Raven News. Sitka has joined other Southeast communities in declaring an economic disaster due to COVID-19 and poor salmon returns across the region. City Administrator John Leach brought the resolution to the Assembly table at its regular meeting on Tuesday. Four communities have done this already, um, and we're just joining forces with them to send a message loud and clear up through the state that uh, our fishing industry has been hurt substantially, not only by COVID, but from poor returns this year. And uh, I I don't think I need to give any detail on the, the loss of tourism here. Leach said the resolution, which calls for the state and federal government to draft similar declarations, was a first step in signaling the need for assistance from the Federal Emergency Management Agency and other government organizations. The Assembly approved the resolution unanimously. The Assembly also filled several vacant commission seats. Wendy Alderson was appointed to the Planning and Zoning Commission. Vaughn Morrison was reappointed to the Gary Paxton Industrial Park Board of Directors. And two weeks after denying one Sitkin's application to the Police and Fire Commission, there was a rush on the position. The Assembly reviewed three candidates' applications for the slot. Gary Oynes, Samuel Pointer Jr., and Wayne Young. Young received six of the seven votes, with member Richard Wien voting for Oynes. Young is a lifelong Sitkin. He's a current volunteer at the Sitka Fire Department and has exhibited an interest in Policing. I actually got the also the luxury of going on a ride along for my first time less than a month ago, but I, I thought that was pretty cool. I got to learn about the police side of things, where they would lock me up if I ever got in trouble, and I thought I thought that was pretty interesting, and I, I learned a lot. And if I was a selected candidate, I mean, if I was, I I feel like I would help out quite a bit and try and do my part here. Municipal Attorney Brian Hansen said that his fire department volunteer position wouldn't conflict should the Assembly appoint him. There was no opposition to Young's appointment, but member Valerie Nelson disclosed that Young was her nephew. She voted for him nevertheless, noting that she expected some angry emails. In other business, the Assembly approved a higher offer for Craig Warren as the new leader of the Sitka Fire Department. A longtime Fire Department employee, Warren was serving as a senior engineer and will replace longtime Fire Chief Dave Miller, who's retiring. And it continued its discussion of the City Seal redesign project. The Assembly is set to vote on a final design next month. Democrat Jonathan Christ Tompkins is running for re-election against Republican nominee Kenny Carl Scaffelstad for House District 35 in the November general election. The district includes Petersburg, Sitka, Cake, Angoon, and many small island communities of the central panhandle, from Prince of Wales Island up to Elfin Cove. In a two-part series, KFSK looks at the two candidates to find out what their priorities would be in the legislature. Angela Denning reports first on the incumbent. Jonathan Christ Tompkins was born and raised in Sitka. The 31-year-old has held the House District 35 seat for the past eight years as a Democrat. I'm a, I'm a pro-math candidate. <laughs> it may sound like he's joking, but Christ Tompkins is pretty serious about numbers and the budget. It's the top priority facing lawmakers, he says. I will unabashedly defend math. And by that, I mean budgets have to balance and uh, magical talking points that have no bearing in budget or mathematical reality are a disservice to Alaskans because it's, it's disingenuous dialogue about what our options actually are. Christ Tompkins says he doesn't want the legislature to get distracted by debating line items like the ferry service and education. 
He says while those details of the budget are still incredibly important, there's a much bigger, looming problem with the state's instability that needs to be addressed. Oil dependency. The state continues to rely on oil revenue, but production has been declining over the last three decades, and prices are always up and down. They're low right now because of COVID. So we have just a huge budget problem. Like the, the magnitude of problem we're looking at is hundreds of millions and billions of dollars. Instead of fixing the problem, Christ Tompkins says the state has been procrastinating and spending down its savings account to almost nothing. Some lawmakers point to using the permanent fund to help the state balance the budget. But Christ Tompkins says that won't even be enough money. We definitely don't have the money to pay for all our services and the dividends. In fact, we have so little revenue that we could have a $0 permanent fund dividend and we would still be in a budget deficit. It's that bad. Christ Tompkins says the permanent fund is not a magical big pot of money to solve the state's problems. He says the fund should be protected for future generations. I could not be more violently opposed to the notion of spending down our children's and grandchildren's wealth that should be preserved in the permanent fund to solve our present-day budget problems because we don't have the will to confront it and solve it. Christ Tompkins says he has the will. He is an optimist at heart and believes that Governor Walker was on the right path with a mathematical approach to the budget problem. He says it comes down to three things, tightening the belt, making cuts to the operating budget, rewriting the PFD formula to something sustainable, and instituting new revenue sources. He says new revenue could come from an income tax. That's something that passed in the House a few years ago, but failed in the Senate. It's basically inevitable that we will need to pass broad-based revenue. This is a question of what it is and when. And the longer we procrastinate, the more collateral damage in the short term and the long term there will be. Christ Tompkins says some lawmakers want to balance the budget by cutting state government and keeping a large $3,000 dividend. But he says those numbers don't add up. It's just such a magical, fantastical talking point. He says it won't work because it would take cutting state government by a third, which is more than Dunleavy's proposed cuts, which led to a recall effort. He says he is open to new ideas for creating revenue in the state. As for COVID, state lawmakers are still meeting. Christ Tompkins says that the pandemic has slowed the process down since the spring, but he's still attending committee meetings regularly online. In Petersburg, I'm Angela Denning. This is the first of a two-part series on the House District 35 race. Tomorrow, we'll hear from the Republican nominee, Kenny Carl Scaffelstead. There will also be a public forum on the race, hosted by KFSK in Petersburg and KCAW in Sitka on October 14th. Thousands of students in the Matsu Borough School District have been attending class in person for just over a month now. And the district superintendent, principals, and teachers say it's going better than expected. There have been COVID-19 cases. They say they planned for that. But as Alaska Public Media's Tegan Hanlon reports, they say the cases have been caught early and it doesn't appear the virus has spread through school buildings. Teacher Kelly Morozik is wearing a cloth face mask at Denina Elementary School near Wasilla as she asks her room of 16 first grade students a math question. Would we use this sign, this sign, or this sign if we want to add them together? 
One student, Wayne, who's sitting on the carpet in front of her, says to add, you use a plus sign. Very good. Elbows, Wayne. Very nice. Morozik and Wayne bump elbows. That's the school during the coronavirus version of a high five. Sometimes we even do like a foot, like a shoe bump where we do a toe tap or a happy dance. I do a lot of air high fives from across the room. So, you know, um, give me an air high five from where you're at. Morozik describes the school year so far as amazing. She says she's happy to be back in the building, and she says so are her students. The Matsuburo School District is the state's largest school district to welcome students back to in-person classes this fall. The school year started in late August. You know, when those kids were coming back that first week, I remember saying, well, here, here goes the big experiment. That's Matsu School Superintendent Randy Trainee. The district has about 18,000 students, Trainee says those students could opt to continue school online this fall or return to school buildings. About 65% chose in-person classes, and so far, Trainee says... I think uh, it's going better than we probably could have hoped. Trainee says that's because of a lot of community support, a lot of planning, and... We do have a huge advantage, right? Community spread in the Matsu Valley is low compared to many other spots in the country. Geographically, we're spread out over a large, large area. The school district has publicly announced about 10 known COVID-19 infections and had to temporarily shut down about six schools. That means students have to do their work online, from home, for a day or more. Trainee says the district expected that and planned for it. He says what he's most happy about is that there's no evidence yet that COVID-19 has spread within Matsu schools. He says that shows the district's plan is working. That plan includes keeping students in contained groups and not sharing classroom supplies. Also, all teachers and staff, plus students in grades 3 through 12, must wear face masks. When you walk through the schools, um, it really just hasn't been an issue. Kids are willing to wear their masks. At Denina Elementary, 11-year-old Aislinn Swalling says wearing a mask at school is pretty okay. And, you know, sometimes if you do, like, gym or something, your mask does get a little sweaty, but other than that, it hasn't been too weird. Overall, she says she loves being back at school. When you're like in person, you know, if there's something you don't get, your teacher's there to kind of help you understand it. Plus, when you're at home, you don't really want to like sit up straight in a chair. You just kind of want to sit in your PJs on your bed. Dr. Elizabeth Olson with the State Health Department is working closely with schools to set up coronavirus mitigation plans. She says the department has been watching whether reopening Matsu schools has impacted the number of new coronavirus cases in the region. And so far, it hasn't seen a rise. Olson says she's been impressed. Moving forward, the most significant obstacle will be keeping up the current level of vigilance, she says. I think the huge thing that's looming for Matsu is the thing that's looming for all of us. It's COVID fatigue. Everybody's sick of this. Um, and we all want things to go back to normal. But until then, she says face masks, social distancing, and hand washing in schools and outside of them are key. In Anchorage, I'm Tegan Hanlon. I'm Erin Fulton, and this has been Raven News.